Welcome to the National Capital Bible Church. Uh, Hal always welcomes you, and that's glad that he does. And I'm thankful for Laura playing prior to. One of the things we try to do, and of course it always is a little difficult, is for us to be prepared prior to we actually begin. That's always a challenge. But welcome again today. We're certainly happy to have you all here. And by the way, today happens to be Armed Forces Day, and we have opportunity just to take a few seconds, a couple minutes, to remember that. This is also our opportunity for spiritual preparation. So we have several ways that we can do this, and one of them is certainly confession of sins. And sometimes we're not always certain that we are until we do something that tells us, yes, I guess we were. Uh, And other times, of course, help us to begin to focus and to concentrate on the message today. And so let's take a few seconds, closing our eyes and and bowing our heads, and it's our opportunity to speak to the Father. We ask this, so let's do so. Dearly Father, we're thankful for the National Capital Bible Church. We're thankful for those who are here. We're thankful, Father, that we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the central part of our church. We ask, Father, for our blessing upon you. We ask for our understanding of who the Lord Jesus Christ, who is us, who is our church, and also for God the Holy Spirit, who assists us as we worship, Father. We ask for your blessing upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. This is one of our opportunities to worship. And the worship is through giving. It's not something that is forces us. It's simply an opportunity for us to give. The Apostle Paul tells us that you, that each one of you should give just as he decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a willing, a gracious, or a cheerful giver. Dearly Father, we are thankful that we have this opportunity. We're thankful that it's not compulsion. We're thankful that instead we can choose and we can respond in love to you. We ask for you to bless these gifts in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we move to our call to worship, I would like to remember or even honor those who are serving in the military today. We have had Armed Forces Day since early in the 50s, and Defenders of Freedom here, Armed Forces Day, at that day was on May 19, and Armed Forces Day this year is on the right side, May 21, 2022 honoring all those who serve in the United States military. Now, 
these days, there's three days that are sometimes confused. One of them is Veterans Day, another one is Memorial Day, and of course yesterday was Armed Forces Day. But Armed Forces Day are those who are serving. They're serving today. And sometimes people get confused with this is for all veterans. No, we have a day for that. And this is a day for those who are serving today. And we have on our list, our uh, church prayer list, we have a list of military personnel who are serving. And I would like to read these for you. Um, I don't believe that we have anyone with, with us this morning. I was hoping that maybe Brian Effenson would be with us. He is serving. But the list we have here from our military personnel is John Collins, also Logan Collins, Cassandra Craig, Cross Fody, Max Fody, Philip Grant, Austin Hooper, Dean Mack, Ramson Oliver, Craig Owen, Everett Spencer, Jr., Brad Stebbins, Jerem Swindle, Chad Weinhart, and Pete Todson III. Now, there may be others that is not on our list, but we certainly want to remember them, and today is an important day for us. Now, let's turn to our call to worship today. I think I've mentioned this in the past. Psalm 105, 106, and 107 are almost connected. As a matter of fact, some believe that they may uh, be just one psalm. But today we're going to read the first part of Psalm 106, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord. The word praise here is the word hallelujah. And that's how we would translate it in the New Testament. So, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And what do we mean by good? I think the word here for good, which is Hebrew, tov, means gracious. We could even say mercy. And we can say mercy because right behind this, for his mercy endures forever. Mercy here is the word chesed, and it means loving kindness. And so there is a little bit of a difference between uh, the mercy that we'll have in, oh, give thanks to the Lord for his grace or his mercy, for his loving kindness endures forever. Verse 2, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Uh, the word utter here is a way we could say of, of tell or to recount. Who can recount the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can declare all his praises? And, of course, the question there should be answered, no one. No one can answer all of these. Blessed are those who keep justice. Or we could say here, observe. Those who observe. God's justice, who he is, and he who does righteousness at all times. Verse 4, remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have toward your people. And this is, of course, written towards Israel at the time, but we could very easily take that 
to us today. We are his people. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor you have towards your people, towards us. O visit me with your salvation. And here, if someone is in difficulty, uh, they are seeking deliverance. And I think that's a better understanding here of salvation to deliverance. Oh, worship me, come to me, help me with your deliverance, that I may see the benefit of your chosen ones. The word here for chosen is not those who some people might think were selected many years ago. These are those who are devoted to God and those who are part of these individuals that I may see the benefits of your chosen ones, your selected ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation. And we, again, can use that for America, that I may glory with your inheritance. And the word here, your inheritance, would be those who belong to you, that I may glory with those who belong to you. And so this is our opportunity every time to remember who God is. And sometimes we forget that. We forget um, God who is uh, the creator. He is the individual who knows all the details of a huge universe. And, of course, we don't know the extent of the universe But God does, and we don't understand the extensions of the details that are in our life or in our bodies. But God does. It's a remarkable uh, remarkable individual, uh, our God. So let's now turn back to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 9. By the way, I know that some of you would like to ask me a question here about how my MRI on Thursday, what happened on that day. And the, the image showed that uh, the tumor is smaller. Certainly praising the Lord for that. What does that mean? I don't know. These are some of the treatments that I've received over three years. And I'm thankful that God has blessed me along the way. Sometimes the tumor has been smaller. Sometimes it has regrown. The doctors uh, have said that their, their desire, their goal is to stabilize the tumor. And so along the way, uh, these treatments are hopefully doing those things. So I praise God for what he's done for me over the last three years and I praise him for what he'll do for me over the next six months, year, less, more. And I thank, I'm thankful for your prayers. And periodically you'll ask me, well, um, how do you feel? Uh, what's, what's happening? And the answer that I periodically answer is that everything below my ears seem to be going okay. And the doctors are keeping an eye on the tumor. Uh, it's still there. A good answer to it is that it'll probably always be there. But whether it'll be growing or whether there'll be neurotics, I don't know. 
God knows. And therefore, it's in his hands. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And we are working our way through what I think are some difficult, some passages. Now, once we understand them, they're not that difficult. But the different translations help us to have a better understand of what Paul is saying. And what Paul is saying here is not always understandable. And the more literal some of these verses uh, are made, they're not always easy to understand. And therefore, I've gone to the use of several other translations that help us to have a better understanding of what he's saying. Now, last week we studied that Paul validated his apostleship, stating that not only was he an apostle, but that as an apostle, he had certain rights or authority. And the other word I like to use was privileges. He had privileges because of his apostleship. Now, we see that that can be applied to others who are serving. But that's what Paul is teaching to the believers in Corinth. But it can be applied other times. But there's going to be other comments here that Paul will have that are literally only to him or maybe to specific spiritual gifts. This week... Paul speaks of his special of his special spiritual gift of apostleship. Did Paul choose to be an apostle or was it compelled for him to serve? And I remember when Dr. Edgar was teaching this chapter, this particular section, and he was talking about what Paul was saying, saying that uh, some are compelled to be someone who had a gift. And others have spiritual gifts, but they're not compelled to serve. They may serve in a different way, or they may be serving even beyond their gift. But we'll see what Paul has to say here in our reading. All right, let's turn again 1 Corinthians 9, 15, 18. I think it's easier for us to read just beginning in verse 12. If others are partakers of this right, this privilege over you, and if you've been following along, there's a privilege here that is given to the apostle, his team, because they have come to Corinth to serve the Corinthians. But the Corinthians have a responsibility as well. And their responsibility is to support the team. So he says, or verse 12, if others, meaning these would be those who were uh, philosophists, if others are partakers of this right, this privilege over you, are we not even more? Paul is saying, if you're going to support Uh, some of these Judaizers, the philosophers, and you're treating them as if you owe them something, then you, you should understand that not only to us, but even more. And that's what he's saying in 12. Nevertheless, 
we have not used this right, this privilege, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. So Paul has never made an issue of this. Why? Because he wants the gospel to not be hindered by anything, just so they can hear the gospel. 13, do you not know that those, and this would be the Levites, because he's going to use them. The Remember last week I said that the temple is still there. The Levites are still there. The priests are still there. So he says, do you not know that those who minister the holy things? In other words, these are the Levites who are ministering the sacrifices. So ministering the holy things, eat of the things of the temple. And yes, you do know that, we could say, and those who serve the priests at the altar partake or share of the offering of the altar. Do you know that? Yes, that they do that. 14. Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach, those who proclaim the gospel, should live from the gospel. So those who teach the gospel should be blessed by those who are receiving the gospel, who are serving them. They're serving them, and those who are receiving the gospel, who are receiving the word of God, who are being taught, they should be served themselves. Verse 15, but I have used none of these things. In other words, I've never used any of these privileges. You should know that. But if you don't, I'm not going to make an issue of this. But I have used none of these things, nor have I written these things, that it should that it should be done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void or uh, empty. Verse 16, for if I preach the gospel, then I have nothing to boast. For necessary, for necessity, is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. He's saying here, if you are not uh, supporting me, then it would be a problem for me if I decided I'm not going to teach the word. And that's what he says here when he says, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Verse 17, for if I do this willingly, I have reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a ship. Verse 18, what is my reward then? In other words, why am I going to be reward if I am being compelled to do this? What then that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. All right. This section, verses 15 through 18, are not as clear, and I'm hoping to, to explain these four verses, because what Paul is really saying here is that I didn't have a choice. I didn't have a choice to serve. And we'll see that as we continue, that Paul was 
the Lord Jesus Christ saw him, came to him, and made him an apostle. Of course, we don't have any apostles today. But the Lord Jesus Christ, when he appeared to Paul, he didn't say, I'm going to ask you if you would like to serve. No, he was compelled. And the other apostles were compelled as well. Now, we are given the opportunity as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to use our spiritual gifts. But we are not compelled to do them. But the Apostle Paul was. And the other apostles. And we'll have a little bit of time to look at some of these spiritual gifts. But there is a completely difference between the apostleship and the gifts that we are given. All right. 1 Corinthians 9.15. Read this. But I have used none of these things. In other words, any of these privileges, any of these authorities that I have. Paul had the authority. Nor have I written these things that it should be done so to me. In other words, I haven't written that you need, you must provide me either food or finance or lodging. He's never said that. Now, Paul will say that it's something that you should know, but he's never compelled anyone. For it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void or empty, we can see here. And the word boasting is used a little differently in the word of God. Boasting here is not the same that we have, but it has the sense of something that we receive, that we have. Let's look at another working translations. But I have made no use of any of these rights, of these privileges, nor am I writing these things to secure any such provision. For I would rather die than I have anyone deprive me of my grounds for boasting or for being able to say that this is what I've accomplished. This is what I've been able to accomplish. And it's not a boast the way we often think today. A little more loose translation here, working translation. Yet I've never used any of these rights. These privileges is the one that I think I prefer. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. So I'm not going to write to the Corinthians and tell them what they should do, even though they haven't done it in the past, they should do it now. He says, I'm not going to write and cause you to do this. Now, you know, this was Paul writing to the Corinthians. He wouldn't write this way to the Philippians. Why? Because the Philippians would never be told this because they tried to give as much as they could to the, the apostolic teams. But here in Corinth, they need it. Yet I have never used any of these rights. And I am not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I would rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to tell anybody that uh, I serve with never being supported. He says, I'm never going to say that. I'm simply going to give the gospel. Teach the word of God. All right. A few points that I think should go along with this. 
Paul says that he never used or demanded to be treated like Levites or priests, even though he had the right. He had the right that they did, but he never demanded it. Secondly, Paul served similarly as the Levites or the priests, in other words, serving. But he did not require to be treated as those serving in the temple. So he served believers, those in the church, and it was similar to what the Levites and the priests would do. But Paul never tried to be that way. Third, in other words, Paul realized that the Corinth believers did not understand to support God's servants. They just didn't understand it. One of the reasons is because they were Gentiles. They simply didn't have the same understanding. Although there were Jews around them in the synagogues who would understand that. But the Gentiles didn't take this under advisement. For Paul also says that he did not write in his letters that he deserved to be treated in a special way. Well, he had a responsibility to teach the gospel, to teach the word of God. And that was his emphasis. Five, in fact, much of what Paul accomplished was serving and teaching as the Levites did. So it was similar that way because the Levites were teachers. Well, that was Paul's. He was a rabbi, of course, the Jews, but he's now serving Gentile. Six, Paul wanted the gospel to be the most important of the ministry. It wasn't what the Gentiles could do. He wanted them to focus on the gospel, and he wasn't going to make any other issue a problem. So Paul wanted the gospel to be the most important of the ministry. Seven, Paul said that it would be better for him to die than to be deprived of his grace gospel. That's what he wants to do. He would rather die than not be able to teach the gospel. So the last point here, eight, in other words, yes, he did not have his rights or his privileges, but he preferred to proclaim the good news without being proud of his privileges. So this is Paul giving of himself not being honored by other Judaizers or philosophers. In verse 16, Paul admits that he did not have a choice to serve his Lord. So, verse 16, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast, for necessity is laid upon me. So there's a necessity for him. He was required. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Secondly, here, another translation. For if I preach the gospel, I have no reason for boasting. Why? There's no reason for him to boast because he's compelled to do it. You know, every now and then somebody wants to be awarded for something. And the answer is, no, you're not going to be given an award because you were required to do it. It was part of your job. And that's what Paul is saying as an apostle. So he says, if I preach the gospel, I have no reason for boasting because I am compelled to do this. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe me. This is interesting. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, 
woe to you. Every now and that sounds like something that parents would say to some kids. Unless you do what you're told to do, woe to you. Another translation here, working translation. Yet preaching the good news is not something I can boast about it. I can't give my credit, we can say here. I am compelled by God to do it. God tells me to do it. I have to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. So, 16, some points here. In this verse, Paul says that he cannot be proud of his choice of ministry. Paul was called on the Damascus Road. Arise, go, and you were told what you must do. And that's in Acts 9, 6. I think we can go there. Let's go to Acts, Acts 9. We're all familiar with this story. Paul is traveling to Damascus. He's going up there to persecute the believers. And he meets the Lord. The Lord says to him, verse 4, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Then in verse, the end of verse 6, he says, arise and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Not an opportunity to make a decision here. He's an apostle. And because he's an apostle, he is going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be compelled to be that way. Three, in verse 16, Paul tells us that there is at least two different types of ministries or spiritual gifts. And I think ministries may be a little different different here, but spiritual gift is fine. One ministry, point four, one ministry was called to serve by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ appeared to the other apostles and appealed to Paul. So one ministry was called to serve by the Lord Jesus Christ. The other ministry was served voluntarily. In other words, you may be given something, but that doesn't mean you necessarily have to serve. And that's the difference between these two types of spiritual gifts. Five, in other words, some believers are given distinct spiritual gifts by God. They are special gifts. And it's not always easy to put your finger on them. But let's just say that some of them, and I believe this is true, that some are given spiritual gifts, communication, teaching, maybe hospitality, giving, administration. And so these are spiritual gifts that they're given. And we would say that they are specific gifts. We can find those in Romans 14, 3, 8. Now, I'm not going to turn to Romans 14, but Romans 14, 3 through 8, the Apostle Paul addresses these spiritual gifts. And some of them are very specific, and others are more broad. Therefore, we can say that some are distinct. Others are given wide or broad spiritual gifts by which they serve beyond their gift or talent. In other words, they may have a gift, 
But they serve beyond them. A broad gift may be difficult to explain, but a person may volunteer to serve in an area by which he has no talent. And every now and then you'll find somebody say, um, let's just say, do we have anybody here's name's Joe? Let's say his name's Joe. And he volunteers to, to serve. And someone might say, I don't think that's his gift. As a matter of fact, he has been trying to serve in this area and he really doesn't do very well. And the answer is, that's too bad. Because he is devoting himself to serve. A person may volunteer to serve in an area by which he has no talent. Some people might wonder why a person is serving in a place or a means. But it is because they simply desire to serve. And so there are certain talents where a person may need to use that talent. And then there's others who have rather broad gifts. And it allows them to do many things. And that's what we have here, at least an example of apostleship. There was a specific gift. And, of course, we don't have apostleship today. But we do have communications. And, by the way, there are some people who may not have the gift of communication. But they desire to teach. And so they they do. And they will be blessed because they are going beyond that gift. Six, however, Paul says that he did not have a reason to be proud of his service because God gave him a ministry. And that what we would read in Acts 9. I'm still in Acts 9. I knew I was coming back here. You may not be. But Acts 9.15. Acts 9.15. Now notice this. As Paul describes this, the Lord is not going to say, well, I'm going to give Paul an opportunity. Acts 9.15. But the Lord said to him, and he's speaking to the messenger that he's telling. This is Ananias. Go for he, and this is Paul, is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. So Paul is not going to be given the opportunity to say, you know, I really don't think I'd like to suffer this way. Sorry, it's going to happen in your life. Paul did not say, I don't think so. He had no choice. Seven, God called Paul, not giving him a choice. And we would say that we have a few others that would probably fall in this category. Joshua, was Joshua given the opportunity to be the lead? No, we're told, get up, go. And this is God speaking to them. We could say the same thing to Jonah. Jonah was told he's going to Nineveh. And he said, no, I don't think so. Huh, really? No, Jonah is going. And he may have a limousine, a huge fish. But those are the ones that are not just given the opportunity, they're charged to go. Paul says that it would be woe to him if he shirked 
his spiritual responsibility. Nine, Paul was compelled to serve as an apostle and proclaim the good news. Now, in verse 17, Paul describes the difference between serving willingly and compulsion. So that's what's going to happen in verse 17. Back to 1 Corinthians 9. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. Yes, if I do this, I'll have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a spiritual gift. So, for if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted with a stewardship. Another working translation, for if I do this voluntarily, I have a reward. So, the two difference here for the apostle is the first part of this is not his. I'm not doing this voluntarily. (laughs) I'm doing it because I'm compelled to do it. But if I do it unwillingly, if it's compelled, I am entrusted with a responsibility. So the entrustment there is that it was given to him and it has a responsibility that goes with it. Another translation, if I were doing this on my own initiative, I would, I would deserve payment. But I have no choice, for God has given me this sacred trust. And that was the difference between the apostle and those who may have been traveling with him. Timothy was not an apostle, but he was willingly, Paul probably said to him, I want you to go with me. But he couldn't force him to. But Timothy did. And so, not being an apostle, we would say that he would serve willingly, not being compelled. All right. In verse 17, Paul states a condition. If I preach the gospel voluntarily, then. So we have a condition here. The answer to the condition was not true. Paul was not serving voluntarily. He was being compelled to do this. Now, we might, you might have a little difficulty between what was voluntarily and what was being compelled. But there's a significant difference here. The answer to the condition was not true. So if I preach the gospel voluntarily, no, it wasn't true. Paul was not serving voluntarily. In verse 16, Paul tells us that he did not serve voluntary. Instead, he was compelled to serve. Paul, go. And the end of your life is going to come to an end. For Paul had not served the Lord Jesus Christ based upon his own initiative. He was sent to serve. Five, if Paul was serving willingly, he says then he would have a reward. Paul says, if I had no choice, then I'm living a sacred uh, trust or responsibility. So there's a trust here that is given to him that was different than a reward. Seven, God committed Paul to the Lord's ministry, not a willing opportunity. So in verse 18... Paul develops the reward mentioned in verse 17. Verse 18. What is my reward then? What's my reward? 
that when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge, that I may not abuse my authority in the gospel. All right. Again, this is a little difficult to understand, and I think if we translate it a little differently, we'll be able to understand it. But he says, what is my reward then? That when I preach the gospel, I may present the gospel of Christ without charge. One of his his rewards was that he was given the opportunity to give the gospel. That was his reward. A working translation, what then is my reward? What would my reward be? That in my preaching, I may present the gospel free of charge. (laughs) Somebody would say, well, isn't there some reason here that he should have been paid? Or, Well, the Corinthians could, but not according to God. This is the reward that he would be able to give the gospel without charge. So whether he was given something or whether not, here we have it. So as not to make full use of my right in the gospel. Our last working translation here. What then is my pay? What's my reward? Is it the opportunity to preach the good, the good news without charging anyone? That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. His reward is the opportunity to give the gospel. So here in verse 18, as we close this up, did Paul then not have a reward? Yes. As a matter of fact, he has two. There's going to be two here. First, Paul had his pleasure, his delight, that he offered the gospel free of charge. So for him, that was a reward to be able to give the gospel. And he would do it free of charge. Three, again, Paul returns to the gospel, the spiritual information, which should support the apostle. But Paul was happy to proclaim freely the gospel. Second, in other words, the second reward, Paul had the opportunity to see the gospel at work among those he preached. And so, first of all, he's given the opportunity to give the gospel. Secondly, he could see the gospel working in their lives. It would be a joy for him. These results, the believers themselves, were Paul's rewards. The word translated reward may also refer to as a wage, but for him, the reward was those who would hear the gospel Those who believe would then have serve or see the gospel working in them. So seven, Paul had not received material uh, recompense, but he was not without a reward or a return for his labor. So summary here. Paul had the joy of of repping a harvest from his work in order To increase the harvest, Paul would gladly surrender certain privileges to proclaim the gospel, such as material support. Paul would also enjoy the results of his ministry. In other words, what people, how they would serve after as believers. 
So the application. We do not have the type of spiritual gifts such as apostleship. But God gives us spiritual gifts. Some of the gifts are specific, while others are more broad. God gives us the opportunity to serve. We should seek to serve. And God blesses us by our desire to devote ourselves to him. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to serve. No, we don't have a gift of apostleship, but we are given gifts. And those gifts may be specific or they may be somewhat broad, but we have the opportunity to serve either way. And even if we may not have a specific gift that we might like to have, a distinct gift, we have the opportunity to serve. And it may not be specific talent that we have, but we have an opportunity to serve. And we're thankful that we have those. In Jesus' name, amen.